Okay, Mark, yes. as we continue on your journey towards growth and self-appreciation, we're gonna try a new exercise called mindfulness meditation. In order to do this, we're gonna need you to put the magazine down. It's gonna get rid of the anxiety, the self-doubt, the depression you've experienced. I want you to lay back. Good. Close your eyes. We're gonna turn off autopilot. We're gonna turn on your deeper awareness. We're gonna go back to one of your best days. It's 2009, the day of the draft. You're with your family, you're with your friends. It's a big day for you, Mark. What were you eating? What was the smell of the food, the environment? What? Just, we I need don't you know, man. We, we catered food from a restaurant that's not even open anymore. Okay, was it good? Yes, it was good. Walk me through the feeling. Take me back there, Mark. I don't know, there was excitement in the air. There was anticipation. Excitement, because... hold on to that. The excitement, okay. your anticipation of this moment you've been working for your whole life. Yep. You could have gone anywhere, Mark. You could have gone to Detroit. You could have gone to Jacksonville. Oh. You could have gone to Cleveland. Oh. But no, the yeah. big city came a-calling. Yeah, that's true. Rex Ryan and the New York Jets. <laughs> what was that like knowing you were going to be embraced by the fans? Take me through the moment you heard it on draft night. With the fifth pick. In the draft, the New York Jets select Mark Sanchez. Quarterback, USC. I did feel good. I finally made it, and everybody there in Radio City Music Hall is screaming your name. And oh my God, Gary! Oh, he's booing. What Why the hell? Boo me? Boo you? You don't even know me. Oh, I hate you, Gary. Who is oh. Gary? Gary V. Gary V. Entrepreneur, early investor, and in Twitter and Facebook. You got to bury the hatchet. You got to resolve this issue with Gary V. I got to call him. You gotta call him. No. You need to tell him how you feel, Mark. <sighs> it's the only way you're gonna move past this. All right, we're back on Fourth and Forever. You know the drill. But today we're exercising some demons. <laughs> I gotta show our guest a video. Gary V, no. a video no. that almost ruined our friendship until we met that night on the East River yes. on a ship, on a boat, a Truth. yacht, some would call it. Um, take me through draft day. Let's watch this video quickly because <laughs> no. I remember all the fun stuff from draft day. Not so fun on your end. A couple good runs with the Jets those first couple years, and then we end up meeting on this boat. So let's go through all that. Can we play the clip real fast? And with the fifth pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Mark Sanchez, quarterback USC. <laughs> oh my God! Look at him. What is what does this mean? What is uh. this? There was flies. There was flies in it. Yeah, well, this is a segment called Explain Yourself, brought to you by <laughs> VaynerMedia. So, so uh, first of all, I loved Brett Ratliff. No, no, no. Honestly, here's the funniest part. <laughs> that was an inside oh Jets God. joke. That was great. That was great. The Jets, here's the real story. The Jets have the 21st pick, or, you know, I'm trying to go off Jets memory here. The Jets have the 21st pick. I mean, I can't wait to hear. So I don't know if I've gotten all the stories out of you on this day. But we have the 21st pick. And I'm sitting there trying to think about, like, how we're going to build and what we're going to do. And now the hubbub is the Jets are on the clock. And I turn to my brother. I'm like, how the fuck are we on the clock? We just traded four first two. Like, you can't go from 21 to five like that. 
or you know, I was like, we just gave up three number ones at least. And so, I, I mean, ready for this? 0.0 minutes of watching you at USC. Like at that point in my life, I was 100% pro football. So I had no context to any of your stuff. I knew where you were projected mid rounds and things of that nature, because I cared about the draft. But that reaction, at that point, we have no idea what we gave up. If you told me at, you know, if they were on us 15 minutes later, as a matter of fact, I went to the cameraman, I'm like, can you put us back on? Because once we heard <laughs> that we only gave up a first and a second, and Brett Ratliff, here we go, uh, Abram Elam, yep. and a defensive, and uh, Kenyon, Col- Kenyon Coleman or something, yep. right? I, it got a lot better. And then after your opening game against Houston, it got a whole lot better. <laughs> actually, <laughs> even so better. Actually, even better than that, we're gonna get very nerdy. Your first pass as a Jet was in a preseason game, and you threw a bomb, and I we we literally lost our mind. That was that was pretty cool to uh, to Clowney um, to Clowney on just a number seventeen up go route. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Too funny. Um, so then. We go on these runs as a Jet fan, and we'll get into some of those favorite moments uh, for both of us. But uh, I want to talk about, I want you to retell the story of when we actually first met, because I didn't know you were you until that night, and then putting everything together like, oh my God, this guy, uh, this what is going to be the way, so weird. Big, big shout out to Al Frashone, who's I'm sure listening to this. It's still Al's greatest night of his life that because you know we we had those runs I was extremely close to Kerry Rhodes yeah and and Kerry um was you know always his nickname was Hollywood and was always trying to do you know different things and you know we helped him you might I don't know if this hit your radar Kerry was one of the most followed people on Twitter in the NFL as a safety oh yeah oh yeah and so we were, VaynerMedia, me and AJ, and my, my brother and I were behind all of that growth, and he was a great dude, and we, um, we uh, had that run, and that was right after the two playoff runs. You know, you literally won four road playoff games in two years, which is more playoff wins than I've had in my entire 44 years combined outside of you. So I have an enormous amount of love for you and those teams. And a couple of things I remember about that, that uh, so he had this event. You showed up. We were fired up because you were the king of New York, and and for Jet fans, like it was just everything. I remember Vernon Golston was on the boat that night. Yep. In the tightest t-shirt. I mean, talk for a guy to be that physical of a specimen, and to you know obviously he had a very unfortunate career. He was really <laughs> yeah. a huge flop. But I just remember but that shirt him in was that t-shirt. Painted on. <laughs> painted. I mean, it was painted on. <laughs> Mark, do you remember that night? You know who else is there? Francisco so. Cervelli from the oh, Yankees. Oh yeah, the you catcher. Remember? Yes. Yeah. You guys were hanging. Yeah. Anyway, That's we had the funny. best night. You were just the like as a sports fan, you dream about. You know, my life has evolved quite a bit since then, and even at that point, I was starting to be in a place where I could feel like I could meet the you know people that I looked up to in in sports. But you dream about somebody being down to earth. But more importantly, the thing I'll never forget, and I haven't thought about that night in a while, it was how into fucking football you were. I think the thing <laughs> that is devastating to fans as they meet guys 
through the years is they're not as into it as you are. But you were like so into it and we were just all the stories and talking about plays and like getting fired up for the following season. Um, That was great. The craziest part about that night, for everybody who's listening, this is all you need to know about this man. I know obviously if you're listening to the show, you love this dude. But like all the stories you hear behind his back are true about his humility, humanity, like who he is as a guy. He's like uncomfortably. Mark, one of the things I admire about you a lot, it's what I try to do, which is like people are gonna have opinions on the outside, much like my reaction there on that day. It's the people that actually know you, what they say about you. Like literally I was working out today thinking about this. Literally I was like, oh man, I hope Scotty McKnight's doing well. I come into the Zoom and Scotty's name's here. I'm like, that's the (laughs) shit I love. I love that and what was really cool about that night was we had this great, we, so for everybody's listening, we took one of those classic New York boats, Carrie Rhodes had some sort of party, we all went out on the boat, we come back to the dock, and of course, me and my crew of like four or five guys, my brother and my three friends, were all like, Mark, let's hang out after, like, you know, and he's like, dude, I'm gonna meet you guys after, I gotta, who, I don't, you know, who the knows what the you were up to, but you're like, I've got, I need an hour. So like literally that whole hour before you're gonna meet us at wherever the hell we decide to meet at some sort of hotel bar or or like restaurant, everyone's like, there's no way he's coming. (laughs) Like, right? And I'm like, God, well, I that's I had you. to go do my makeup. I had to go get my very uh, Gary V lower back tattoo. <laughs> get out of here. The whole thing. And so you showed up, and and I was just like, I remember thinking, like, man, it, it was just a really great night that I remember a ton about, including Vernon Golson's T-shirt <laughs> and Francisco Sorbelli. But the that's biggest funny. thing was how into football you were. How you were just like us. You remember the most subtle. I mean, like basically. Basically, Al chewed your, I watched my most degenerate Jets fan sit next to you and chew you out, not you, ask you for 30 minutes to complain about us trying to run a play before the end of the half against Pittsburgh. Why did we throw it? We should have handed the ball off. And that's all, you know, by the way, every time a football fan gets pissed at the end of a half when a team deep in their zone doesn't do what they want, which is a Madden bomb, um, anyway, it was a great, great night, and I'm, I'm really glad to be on the show, and I'm so excited to see all the fruitful things that have been going on in your career, and it's great to be here. Yeah, we appreciate you doing this, um, but I also saw a cartoon strip that's like animated that showed or explained how you became a Jets fan. How did yes. that actually happen? So I was born in the Soviet Union, so like I've established all the Jets fandom in my family because I didn't have those ties. We, you know, Grew up in Russia, well not grew up in Russia, was born in Russia, came to Queens when I was four. That's not when I became a Jets fan, which most people think when they hear the Queens part, they're like, oh, because that's right. what the Jets used to play in Queens. Had nothing to do with that, because it was just, because it, it was the late 70s, my family didn't know anything about American culture. We lived, we had seven family members in a studio apartment. We moved to Dover, New Jersey in 80, 1980 and 81. Nothing there still, basically spoke Russian, went to kindergarten there. We moved in the summer of 82 to Edison, New Jersey. This is where it gets, this is the story. I go outside, this is 1982 kid's life. You're, I'm seven, my mom's like, go outside. I just go outside. You're like literally roaming around the, like streets looking for something to do. You know, my, my, my mom at this point is 26 years old. She grew up in Russia. Like you went outside, wow. like the 80s were different. You went outside yeah. and I met Robbie Turnick first, who's a big Jets fan, who's gonna listen to this, so big shout out to him. And then we met 
Eric Godfrey, who he knew, and they were throwing around a Nerf football, and Eric basically said to me, like, you know, are you a fan? Like, you know, and I, I don't, I'm so, it's so long ago and I'm so young. I don't even know how much English I did or didn't know, Mark. But like, basically he's like, you're a Jets fan. He basically told me. I was like, I'm a Jets fan. I got branded. (laughs) And what's crazy about this is that was the season the Jets went to the AFC Championship game. Oh, wow. They went to the 82 AFC Championship game. They stunned the Raiders in the divisional round on the road who were the favorites and won the Super Bowl the following year. That was Wesley Walker had a huge game. Uh, Lance Mel had three picks. I became the hugest Lance Mel fan. And we went to Miami for the AFC Championship game and it, there was a monsoon and we were an offensive-oriented team and we lost 14-0 in the Mud Bowl when mm. the, and the Richard Todd threw three interceptions to a linebacker by the name of A.J. Dewey. Um, and, uh, and I cried like a fucking baby. <laughs> and that was it. I was locked and loaded. I thought it was gonna be great and literally they didn't make the AFC Championship game again until 98, 16 years later. Yeah. We barely made, we barely, I think we won the Chiefs playoff game in 86. Yeah, I won one playoff game between 82 and 98. Um, and, and, that, and that was it. And like literally from that moment on, I've literally, literally, and I mean this, I've watched every snap of a New York Jets football game, all of them in real time. It is my religion. It is my passion. It is my escapism. It is my favorite thing. It is why you see the overreactions at the draft. What you did, what's not shown there is in those days, because the draft was in New York, I would go all two or three days. Literally seventh oh, wow. round. Yeah, like 100 people getting pumped about our seventh round picks. Well, <laughs> that's great. Like Scotty McKnight. That's, by the way, that was a subtle reference for Scotty. Count it. Let's I remember count. that pick like yesterday. I'm like, that was Mark's pick. <laughs> Is that your favorite moment as a Jets fan? What's that? The Scotty McKnight draft pick? Actually, Mangold. What is your oh, favorite, oh. if you could pick let's, one? Let's go, let's go into this, because this is the truth, and I don't know how you're gonna splice the show, but I've said this publicly so much. I have two incredible children. I've had an incredibly blessed life. There is, and th- again, this is not for this show. You can find a million references to this on the internet, because that's how I live my life. The single best day of my entire life was the Jets beating the Patriots in in Foxborough in the second round of the playoffs in the divisional series. Wow. Because as you know, obviously, since you orchestrated it with your teammates, we had lost to them on Monday Night Football seven oh. or six weeks earlier. Yeah. On a, and, a, and now I'm gonna get nerdy because it's fun to be with you. What a lot of people don't know about that game was Jim Leonard got hurt in practice. Yeah, he did. The week of that game and basically that was devastating. Cause you don't, like getting hurt for the year in practice is something even the most cynical, highly emotional fans kind of don't expect. You don't expect that. Right. And I remember getting that phone call and like being dead. Like that was the, I thought he was such a huge part of that defense. And then we go to Foxborough Monday night and I remember Brady did a fist pump to our sideline after they went up like 21 nothing early and it just, like just like I wanted to, like his life to end at that moment. I was so pissed. So here we are. We you know we get destroyed by them. They are who they are. We you know we we get into the playoffs. We 
win our first round game. Um, and, and it was just like, it was just unbelievable to me. That, what was that? We beat the Colts, right? Colts, yeah, late. Remember Cromartie had the big return. Uh, I remember it threw, like yesterday. Uh, I remember the I, you threw the pass threw to, Braylon, to Braylon. That he, Braylon, he yeah. sh- uh-huh. right on the sideline, yeah. And we won My that call, game. My call, by the way. My call. By really? The way. Tell me. Yeah. Tell uh, me. So that I one. Love it. I live for this. Uh, we called this play um, hitches and sticks. So we just combined them and called it hick. Had nothing to do with the like white yeah, person it. reference. Yeah, I mean, yep. But uh, yeah, it was just inside sticks and outside hitches in a quick game, easy play. And if anything happened on the outside with any kind of press, you just get fades on the outside. And so we called the timeout before and we're trying to come up with a play and we're talking about running slants. We're talking about running all these different plays. And it was the first Braylon, time. Wait a minute, real quick, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, you just good. charged something. On the first play of that draft, Braylon caught a pass and fumbled and recovered it, right? Do you know? Yeah, do you, he actually do you did. remember that? He actually did. Holy yes. shit. I so love Cromartie this. brings it yep. way back out. Braylon which was, fumbles, which was recovers. Everything. Yes. Yep. And then we're like, we're right on the edge of field goal range and we got to throw it so we don't burn a timeout, potentially, whatever. I remember and that play the field like goal team's going to potentially run on. And so we have all these different options and we've run Hick a bunch of times that game. So I was like, Dustin, I, well, first, which for me was like, I was scared to do it, but I was also feeling that moment and I just kind of waved off Such the sideline and was just like, hey, DK for Dustin. I'm like, DK, just go, just YMO to double and we're going to run Hick. All right. We're just going to go quick game Hick. We good? And he goes, yeah, if you want. I mean, whatever. And everybody's like, cool. Like nobody really said anything. I said, all right, we're just going to do this. And boom, we're going up the line of scrimmage. I remember Shotty like, hey, what's good? And the headset cuts out. And boom, we motion Dustin over just quick, quick throw, quick fade. And it's like, in those moments, you're like, what do I know? What plays do I know? Like the back of my hand. What do I know by heart? What do I love? The matchup is, was I'm great. going down. I'm going down yeah. swinging like this. Like this is a big, tall receiver. He's on fire right now. Feed him. Feed the studs. When they're hot, give him the ball. And that was exactly what we did. He goes and makes that catch. And then Brunel, <laughs> Brunel's screaming in the locker room after the game. Did you see the game-winning field goal hold? Did you see the hold? <laughs> He's the screaming best. at everybody. The, the, that was fun, the, man. You know, obviously what's so crazy about that game was that our prior, literally the playoff game we played prior to that was the AFC Championship game in Indy. Yeah. When Calvin Pace and Leonard had that fumble recovery, 17-7, Blake Snell, a Jets backup tight end in 1998, blocked a punt in mile high mm-hmm. when they were pinned back and we punched it in and we went up 10 nothing in the AFC Championship game on the road. Yeah. That moment oh, yeah. and, and the moment when Pace and Leonard had that fumble recovery, I think Pace made the hit, Leonard picked it up. Those were the only two moments for even a second that I thought, oh my God, I'm going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Dude, I did too. <laughs> so that we that were, play uh, and the touchdown at the Kerry Rhodes is one of my favorite humans on earth, but I still always give him a little something because I always thought he should have made a play on the ball before the end of the half when they scored, and oh, you could just yeah. feel it. Yeah, yeah, you could always. I just so remember the. Fe- Good. That that championship game, my rookie year, we're on top at halftime, and I go in 17, at halftime 14. like, oh my god. 
Like, we're going We're 30 so minutes away. Holy crap. Like, this is crazy. Then we go out the second half, and I remember um, their offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning and the Colts, um, Tom Moore, is on the sidelines, and he calls in the plays to Peyton. Well, the entire second half, he shook off every call, and he started calling his own We learned this from Tom Moore later when he right, became he one of our Right, because he came to be, I remember, I re yes, I remember. So he said, I couldn't even call in a damn play. Peyton kept shaking me off, so I just turned off the headset. I was like, what? And Rex goes, wait, what? <laughs> He goes, you weren't that calling was, the plays? He goes, no wonder why they were kicking our ass. He goes, because was Peyton was calling his own stuff. I was like, oh, my God. So that all was, of us in the room question. just. Uh, I love that. Anyway, let me, let me, let me so answer pissed. the question. I know I'm going to. Me, my brother, old Lugino, because there's a little Lugino who adores you, and, and Sam Ben Ruby are the only four Jet fans that decide to go to Foxborough for that playoff game. Wow. When I tell you driving up I-95 to go to that game, <laughs> I literally thought I was going to get, like, murdered. Like, I, I've never <laughs> felt that way. It felt like, I don't know if I've ever been more sure that we were going to lose a football game than that game. Like, <laughs> completely no chance, you know, I just didn't see it. And... There was a kid in front of me, three rows in front of me, who was the worst and was getting out of his mind and was all over us and just screaming and yelling. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so scared to not see a play that I don't even talk on the road. I don't even have a conversation <laughs> with anybody because I'm not looking for any excuse for the opposing security to kick me out. <laughs> And so we just had to eat it. And obviously, you know, I'll, what I remember so much about that game was their opening, their opening drive, they just marched. And then the David Harris interception. Yep. And I just remember that interception happened. And then, you know, we got down to the eight or 10 or 11. And you, you pro of course you remember, like we weren't able to move the ball. And then we missed a chip shot field goal. I know. Which I still yeah. think is good. I don't know if you guys want to run the footage. It was such <laughs> it was such a slow start to the game and we are so juiced up, but we were in control of that slow start, it felt like. In and a real way. Always like, it always felt like something good was coming. We got the pick, but we didn't capitalize. And then everybody kind of had this realization as the second quarter started. It's like, you don't get these opportunities against the Patriots. Like it just doesn't happen, especially in Foxborough. Like it's time to take advantage. And everybody and finally cut bro, loose you play, and just that, I mean, let that, go and played. And bro, played. that was ball. You played you played out of your your pat your so fun. Your pass to both Santonio and and to LT on the left yeah. side there. They were like, you were in your zone. Jericho did what he always yeah. did against the Patriot. I'll never forget that play so to you the, that you passed the him over Jericho the middle. Touchdown. The Jericho touchdown at a, or uh, the LT touchdown at a trips, Jericho ends up drawing the coverage because he had that touchdown or two point conversion, I want to say, the first game of the year Love. against them Love. in MetLife. Then, so that was the counter off of that play. And then the other one was the one that Santonio scores in the back of the end zone. Same play as Braylon's catch before um, in the divisional game 
uh, excuse me, in the wild card game, it's the same hit I play, love that. but it just converted that. to a fade and a different Jericho, coverage gave us a different uh, Jer- route and that was the touchdown. Jericho literally early in his career in a wild card game in Foxborough took a play like 70 yards on the Patriots. He had the huge yeah. play with your reaction to that play, by the way, that little kind of like crossing pattern and then Jericho breaks it for like yeah. 65 or whatever. Fish. It was called I'm, fish, yeah. I remember that, that game, then the, the quick pass you threw to Braylon, he just ran over, dude. Cover zero, yep. They by brought the, way, the house by and the way, we had a one-step slant to Braylon. When Sean Green scored that touchdown, I was <laughs> devastated. The pillow was great. But I was pissed because I wanted him to fall short and run out the clock. I know, I And know. sure enough, they scored, and now I'm in my pants. Just completely, I com- and I don't know if you remember the onside kick, it also got a little weird, but Crow picked it up. Yes, yes. It, winning that game, I mean, think about how well I'm describing this game. That oh, game. that's really funny. That game was everything. That dude tries to leave when Sean Green scores the touchdown, the drunk dude in front of me. Not only did you have your maybe your best athletic game, I had my best athletic game. I was six seats in. This drunk dude is trying to leave quietly after heckling and destroying us for three and a half quarters. I literally dive. This is real. I dive over my brother and then like four other people we didn't even know and grabbed him as he was trying to leave. Six seats over, I dove and just yelled, where the f- do you think you're going? And the, and the craziest part of that. You watched this ass whooping. We won this game. The, the guys, the receivers do their flips. Oh, yeah. Bart does his thing. We all convene down, going crazy. And I spent at least 10 minutes spitting on the ground on Foxborough. Just a degenerate. Like, this place, this is a hole. Who the wants to live in Foxborough. This is literally the worst city in the country. Just losing my, like lost complete control. Oh, you're sick. <laughs> it was the best. And then Pittsburgh, it's funny. This is really interesting. Back to Al who like chewed your ear off that night. We go to Pittsburgh, obviously. The, first of all, the pass interference call on Bart Scott in the opening drive is something I still can't get over because I feel like momentum, all that shit. Yeah. Obviously, we had the atrocious start, second half, all that stuff. We we lose. We we like we're, we walk to the stadium because we had a hotel that was close across the three rivers, and I'll never forget it. I grab. There was just something, you know, it, when you're so in tune with something. I grabbed Al's shoulder and I said, "Look, I said, look back." And we didn't say a word. Game ends. Not a word was said. About 20 minutes into the walk, I grab his shoulder, and we can see the stadium. And way back, we, you know, we'd walk the whole way. And I said, "Look," I said, "Hey, look." back in the stadium, he's like, what, what? I said, look, I go, I have a bad feeling. It's gonna be a long, long, long time before we're back, mm. and we haven't been to the playoffs since. Uh, which I brings know. us to our New York City Blues. The two New York teams, Gary Vee, are the worst in the NFL. They gotta be the worst. Broncos, Vikings, Texans, Falcons, Jets, and Giants, all 0-3. Let's talk the Giants for a second. They're missing Saquon, they're missing Sterling Shepard, Jabril Peppers. I mean, they get crushed by a depleted San Francisco team. I, I don't even know what to do. Danny Dimes is their, is their, obviously their top passer. He has 179 yards. It's like a preseason game. 
And then he's their leading rusher with 49 yards? Look, there's a good 179. By the way, there's a good 179 and a bad 179. In the system that you ran, you had... Yeah, 179 was great, but we were rushing for 250. Correct, correct. Um, Look, they're in in a bad place. They're in a bad place. I'll be very honest with you. I hate the Giants with all my heart. So (laughs) I've consumed very little. I love Daniel. My brother left five years ago and followed his full passion, and we started a sports representation business. So Mm -hmm. now Vayner Sports is in the football business, and we drilled it on Danny Dimes when he was at Duke at a fourth, fifth-round pick. We started recruiting him heavily. We were in the final two with CAA Uh, for him. Yeah, we were very, very, very close. We were in the final three for Sam. I I think he's going to be good. But I don't really know what's around him. Saquon is such a classic. You know, I really hate the Giants, but like he's tough to dislike as a human. He's incredible, and obviously that injury, that injury is devastating. I don't know what's going on there. Now we at Vayner Sports have multiple Giants. We rep Leonard Williams, former Jets. Oh wow! Super fun. Yeah, yeah. USC. You know. Yeah, baby. We we rep uh, Darnay Holmes. Uh, you know, and so he's a slot corner for them. We rep Isaac Yidam, who they just traded for from Denver at the corner. Yeah, yeah. So I, we have a lot of giants. So I definitely have thawed out my hate because I love my guys. But <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I can't. I can't speak to their issues. I, on the flip side, know a lot of what's going on on the green side. Yeah. Okay. Let's go there. Let's go right there. Uh, here's and I said this publicly last week. When you invest all this money. This is a business idea, right? And a football idea because it is a business. When you invest your money in Le'Veon Bell, CJ Mosley, and for whatever reason, whether it's circumstance or injury or whatever, if they don't give you any return on that investment, You're dead. what are you supposed to do? It's dead money. And that's kind of where the team's at. There, there's no playmakers, there's no household names other than people you would know because you're a diehard fan. And you put them up against the top 10 offenses in the league. Look at the rosters. Tell me one player on the Jets that could start for any of those teams. It's, listen, it is uncomfortably crazy where the Jets are on their injury report. They are, Sam Darnold is one, I I think I read this, that Sam Darnold's like the only starter, one other offensive lineman that hasn't missed, I mean, we're three weeks in. We're on receiver six and seven. By the way, I'm fired up about Braxton Barrios. I think he's gonna be like a real slot receiver in this league. But like, we are actively right now on receiver six and seven. I mean, there's nothing else to say. The roster looks like it did in 2013, 2014, my last two years there. It really does. I I mean, you know, people, it's it's funny. It's the same issue. We're getting guys off the couch the week from the week before to come play. Clyde on our Gates. Team. I mean, these are by the way, these like, are real. Listen, listen. If you make this is the, my favorite. By the way, this is my favorite thing about fans and and sports. Clyde Gates, big shout out. You know, David Clowney. We mentioned him earlier. Braxton Barrios right now. Like, if you make the NFL, you are literally by math one of you know one of the fifteen hundred greatest football players in the world. <laughs> Hundred percent, and and fans talk about them like they could do it. So right, I, right. I, I I always struggle when we talk about this because I know the level of quality of like a practice squad football player, how great that course, player actually course. is. But but we're talking fan talk here, and 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 analyzing talk. Listen, I, the number one job I would not want to have is Joe Douglas's. Joe has to make a decision on Sam, and he has dirty data. His dirty data, the Jet, Mike yeah. Tenenbaum was able to do a really good job. I remember when we traded for Santonio, for Braylon, and look, there was mm-hmm. baggage, 
But I was pumped because we were giving our young quarter, I mean, first of all, the Pete Kendall, like the offensive line things we were doing, the running backs, we were doing a lot of great things. You were, you were by the way, I think a lot of people forget this, your, your college coach, Pete Carroll, like you were a raw, young, young, young quarterback and Very started, young. right? Like how many games did you play at USC? 16, 16. It's crazy how the comps of you and Sam have, there's, you know, there's obviously differences, but the similarities are wild. It's he was, weird. Joe Burrow is older than Sam right now. I, I, know. I know. So, so, you know, Sam's when been you in the league that, a couple years, they were working out in Orange County. And I go see, I was just like, this is crazy. They are very, very, these are very, very young talents. You, you see it happen and it's hard and circumstantial. Like I, you know, I, I'm, I'm on tilt watching Bills fans talk Josh Allen versus Sam. And I'm like, cool. But like, it'd be nice to see what Sam would do with Stephon Diggs and Brown. And just he, and, swap and I, places, swap places. Like, could he have some of these big time plays that Dak Prescott has? has? I by think the way, so. By the way, I used you as a comp to somebody about, you know, like, cause I, I told one of my Jeff buddies I'm doing your show. And I was like, I gotta ask Mark, because I think it's a really important thing. He had a different skill set of weapons around him early in his career versus later at, with the Jets. Though you, you already mentioned that those last couple of years, he was clearly a more mature, more experienced. I don't want to use the you, you'll you'll talk for yourself, but like you assume that you're you've got you know you're, you've gotten your feet wet. You've been in the league. You've been through two right, AFC championship right. games. You probably understand the delta of what it, how much it matters because you knew what you were doing in the first couple of years and what, what those players were doing for you. Not to mention, right. you know, like Brad Smith coming in, like all those looks, we were doing so many yeah. things. Yeah. Talent matters, Leon Washington, 100%. talent matters. A hundred percent. And when you lose those weapons and you're as competitive as I am, and I saw it a little bit with Sam last week, and that's my only fear is that you start to press. You start to try and fix 100%. everything with your arm. You start to like, all right, I don't care. I'll make it work. Boom. And you're just jamming a ball in like uh, John Gruden used to say, you're jamming sand up a gnat's ass. <laughs> say, hey, man, you know how small a gnat's ass is? <laughs> I'm like, ooh, good point. <laughs> so that's kind of where you go if you're competitive like that. Now, um, you know, some other guys, when they haven't had a ton of weapons, have have maybe done better, but it's hard. Fans are not educated either. When you watch the film, Xavier Rhodes made a mistake yeah. on the end zone pick. He yeah. made a mistake. Sam yeah. made the right read. Yeah. But that's what happens. Right, right. And then it all goes on Sam. That's what's, you know, that's what's frustrating for me, I guess. I'm very, I'm very worried. I'm worried that Joe's in a tough, if the Jets have the number one pick, mm -hmm. And you know, and Trevor Lawrence is going to be the best prospect since Andrew Luck, you know for sure. Maybe but the, the best problem one is since... you put him on the same crap team. I agree. I agree. So, Whereas I'm saying I'm on the record saying trade the number one pick, which is an all-time pick for five first two-round right. picks. You've got the third most money in the league. I, by the way, on the record, I'm also. I mean, I was uncomfortably down on McCagnan. That was a very tough time for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, what's so fun about me producing content is I'm not Monday morning quarterbacking. I disliked him and what he was doing the whole way. We needed a, listen, Josh McCown's one of the best humans on earth. I love him, I know him, I love him. He was our 
going into the season starting quarterback. We had the fifth pick in the draft. You've got Deshaun Watson and you've got Patrick Mahomes. They go seven and 10 and we take Jamal Adams, a safety in the modern NFL. Back to your point, look, Lev is a beast, CJ's a beast, but you don't spend your free agency money on running backs and middle linebackers in today's NFL. But then, Mark, to give me the kiss of all kisses, I'm on tilt with Jamal, though I love Jamal's attitude, and I know he's gonna be a good me player. Too. I don't I don't want to the wrong draft fit. defense. I don't want to draft defense anymore. We draft defense every year. Sheldon Dude, who are you and telling? D. Milner. I know you know. And you were the, by the way, you were the last guy we drafted offense prior to I Sam. I know you. before Sam. So I'm like, so, guys, so this in the isn't first round. Like so hard to figure but out. Mark, Mark, we drafted Marcus May in the second round. We took safety, safety. So anyway, nonetheless, Joe's job is that's gonna be a tricky spot, but I, if I'm running the Jets, I'm trading that pick for four picks. I'm, I, I really like, I mean, the Becton thing, God willing, the health scared me this week with the shoulder. Yeah. He, I've been around football, my whole, I watch it so real, I watch, I'm so in this. You, I don't need to see another thing. I already know what we have with him, which is insane to me how good he is. And you start building. You gotta, you gotta give, you gotta give the kid talent. You gotta give yeah. the kid talent. I agree. I agree. If you had to give the Jets a pregame speech before the Thursday night football game against, by the way, the I saw a clip on Twitter with you and Willie, and you know, you're right. By the way, not only, by the way, not only am I gonna give every pregame speech if my coach lets me when I own the Jets one day. <laughs> um, I'm, I might even coach. I'm like, I'm gonna be the. I'm gonna make the Jerry Jones and Cubans of the world. I, I, First of all, I don't want to undermine my who I hire, so I'm going to be very upfront. By the way, funny that we mentioned this. I want the seventh round pick every year, personally, because at that level, you're in UDF category, so let me go with character and that kind of stuff. I love that. Yep. And, and I'm a very big fan of drafting quarterbacks more than NFL teams do now. I mm. think, you know, and the Jets actually did it this year. They took a quarterback in the fourth round, which surprised yep. a lot of people. That's a little bit my, my style. I think quarter. I think it's just too important. Everything revolves around it, in a lot, quite a bit. Unless you get really like top defense, top running game, offensive line. Um, so anyway, I think that um, I'm very worried. The Jets are in a real pickle. They have to pick up that option. It's a lot of money, right? Like you really haven't For Sam, been. There's you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. There's yeah. no way to figure out what to do there. You're not going to get any data this year. What data yeah. are you going to get? See, that's, that's the problem. If the season becomes a wash, then what's Sam really doing? He's trying out potentially for other teams, which could be better suited for him, right? Like credit to Jamal Adams in a weird way because he found his way to a team that was the right match. It just didn't fit. Square peg, round hole, whatever the circumstances are, it doesn't matter. On that front, I think players need to do what's right for players and I think teams yeah. need to do what's right for teams. When a right. player does what Jamal does, I'm like, Guys, look at Tariq Cohen. He doesn't sign that extension literally the week before he tears his ACL this oh. year, last week, right? So what do you feel? I, I know the kid a little bit. I like him a lot, he's a great kid. I'm happy for him. On the flip side, there's a Bears organization. I promise you right now, if the Jets make that extension as a fan, I'm dead. I'm dead because I know what the difference would have been in dead money, real money, cap hit. Oh, yeah. like, it, the NFL is a real, real, interesting, difficult challenge for owners, coaches, GMs, and players. All right, well, when you get the job as the owner, I would just like to consult every once in a while, and I definitely want a swag bag, In. that's it. 
<laughs> oh, and, and then we also have to do like a memory lane thing. Like we're gonna have to do like a, you know, I'm, it's gonna take me another 20 years, so we're gonna have to do like a 40th anniversary of the four playoff wins. By the way, the San Diego game, as much yeah, as I was shocked, too. bro, as much as I was shocked in that game against the Patriots, I was, I was equally within the same realm on that. They won 11 in a row, they were so hot. I didn't, I didn't, uh, that, that, uh, that game was the, that was such a great game. You and Keller, I love Dustin, we're very friendly and like. He's the best. He, he's the best dude and I love him and like your chemistry, I remember that Bengals playoff game, your first playoff game. Yeah. That kind of like, that 40, 50 yard play you had with him in yeah. that game, you guys had some real chemistry during those runs. That's fun. Um, okay, Jets, Broncos, we're talking this week, Thursday night football. These are two teams, 0-3, right? So this is kind of a measuring stick for both teams. And you have their your top NFL teams, right? Those top eight teams-ish, six teams. And then there's a bunch of teams in the middle that are kind of going up and down every week. And then there's this bottom tier. Now, if you lose and go 0-4, if you're the Jets... I mean, it puts you like the bottom, bottom tier. Now all that Trevor Lawrence talk, all this crap comes into your lap. Can they be competitive? What's your, what's your prediction on the game? I haven't seen enough Broncos football. I definitely don't have a good enough read on this Rippin kid. Yeah, they got, yeah, their backup Rippin. Um, what else? Their third yeah, string, Drew right? out. They still got no I mean, the font. They the, lost a bunch the, of guys on defense. All the defense, right, I saw. Look, man, we are not in a good, I actually think this is a great game for Jets Nation, because Jets Nation is on full tilt with Coach Gaze. And I think if they go out and lose this game in a significant way, um, there's gonna be some real problems, because this is by far the worst team that they're gonna play. Yeah. I think that they are going to win this football game. At least um, they have their starting quarterback, right? Like, that gives them at least yeah. a leg up. They're playing at home. Nice. Home doesn't mean as much now, right? Not as much without fans, but still something. I'm trying to look for any advantage. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I think it's a real toss-up game. If the Jets yeah. lose 21 to seven this game, I'll have Ooh. zero shock. I really yeah. will. Like I don't know what the uh, you know. Listen, Cortland uh, Cortland's healthy or no? Sutton, you know? Uh, don't know. I think he's still questionable. You know, the the bottom line is it's not good. I mean. It may be the lowest rated Thursday night football game in the NFL's history. Yeah, like, this could be low. Uh, unless you were a Jets and Broncos fan at my right. level, you're not going to watch this football game. Now, right. I will say this. For, to go very nerdy in Jets land, almost everybody comes, starts to come back at week five and six. Of course. You got of Mims, course. the second round receiver pick, who we all want to see, but we know he's raw, so it's, we're going to have to be patient. Crowder's coming back. Perryman's probably... The week after, like the Cardinals game, and definitely the week after, is when everybody hits. So I will say that there's a part of me that is excited to see Sam in week seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, because yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't, you know, I, I think we're gonna have most of our offense back. And look, Perryman, when we're fully stacked, you know, Perryman, Hogan, Braxton Berrios, Crowder are not what the NFL's about these days from a receiving talent, Lev. Right, right. You know, but, but at least it's a lot more than what we've seen the last two weeks. There's not a ton of depth, yeah. But people, I mean, millions of people every single day look to you for motivational speeches or um, something to cheer them up. Just give me, you know, a couple sentences for Jets fans this week. I think we have 
a Hall of Fame left tackle. I actually believe that. There we go, there we go. And so that's good. I think, I personally believe that a lot of people um, know that Sam has it. I think real Jet fans have seen enough in the improv, can quantify the talent around him. And I, and I think if you're looking for optimism, it's left tackle it's, and quarterback, it's a big deal. And, okay. and I think next year with, uh, with the ungodly amounts of um, cap room, with a GM that I believe is the best since Mike T, you know, that we've had, if you're gonna make the assumption on Sam and the left tackle, you're gonna have a lot of money, you're gonna have two first round picks, you're gonna have an early first and second round pick, the Jets can be one of those teams that turn it around fast if all those right. things are true. And I don't think it's far-fetched to think Sam's good. Mark, I'd like to know from your perspective, I think you really understand this like on a different level. Like, And obviously, because of the Jets, USC, you know Sam, like, I get it, but like, yeah. to the most raw and real you can say, like, I, I, you, you, you've seen things that make you say, oh, there's things there. Oh, 100%, there's flashes. It's all circumstantial, so long as he can, you know, continue to eliminate turnovers and not get hit, he's gonna be fine. It's just weathering this storm, right? And if that storm gets too big and he goes down with an injury or he starts pressing, that's where he'd get into trouble. But the ball the other day of him rolling to the left and just kind of flicking the ball to a receiver going the opposite direction, you don't get that from every quarterback in the league. That's like top 10 quarterback arm ability, and arm strength and uh, we call, we pulling call, a play my, out of his my, ass. It's yeah, incredible. Well, me and my brother, we call him backyard, you know, we call him Sandlot oh, yeah. Sam, right? He's, he's very, he's exactly got that Roethlisberger he thing. Yes, because he doesn't, he almost has to do it. So then at a certain point, when you get him the talent that can keep him in rhythm at least a handful of times a game, and that can take a screen pass and boost his confidence because it went for 40 yards because the guy broke a tackle, now he's gonna start getting into a rhythm. Then you get into a couple of third and manageables and boom, one of these plays pop. Then when he has to convert a third and 13, not for the fifth time in the row, but one time a half maybe, then something happens. If you hit on 50% of those third, third and 13s, you're on fire, you know what I mean? So the, the numbers will, will even out, everything will even out. It's just the timing, the timing of it can he withstand this incredible storm right now? That's my only fear for him. And there's nobody rooting for him, well, other than you maybe, like me, <laughs> because I love this kid. I've seen him work out. I know how much it means to him. I mean, he's pouring his heart and soul into this thing and he's not getting a ton of return on his investment yet. But it's, I really do think good things are around the corner if they can stick with him. I, I will be devastated if, he, if they let him walk because I'm completely convinced he's gonna do more than Tannenhill's doing in his walking. I really yeah. believe that. I really genuinely believe it. I see yeah, it. Really, I watch so really much football. Too. I really, really watch comparison. a lot of, Sam. People would be pissed, right? If he goes somewhere else and takes somebody on a playoff run and oh Mark, my God, I'm oh still, my God. I'm still, I'm, I'm still pissed about Jeff Blake who was a quarterback yeah. we took in the sixth round and we let him oh, yeah. go and had a nice career yeah. with the Bengals. Yep, yep, that's wild. Okay, so transition a little bit here to the highs and lows of business versus the NFL. I mean, talk about some of your personal highs, some of your personal lows of business and how it relates to the NFL, but I mean, some notable things, whether it's 
you know, where's your crystal? Stuff. Where do you hide? Where do you hide your crystal ball? Because Twitter, Uber, and Facebook. I mean, yes, but but let's go to the Uber one. Travis yeah. Kalkinick was literally at the time that Uber was created, one of my best buds in the business mm-hmm. world. He asked me to invest in Uber in the angel round. I passed because I just bought an apartment in New York City and I wasn't as liquid as I wanted to be. They were also doing it as a side hustle. It wasn't originally gonna be their main thing. Them, meaning Garrett Camp, the guy okay. who came up with the idea. They, it started getting a little traction. They came back to me. They're like, Gary, you're our guy. You're our guy. You, you should be in Uber. I passed. If I wrote a $50,000 check, which was the size of the investments I was making back then, Mark, uh, I, that investment would have made me three, $400 million. So to me, passing on Uber in that environment is similar to you know, the Jets not drafting Patrick Mahomes you know, a couple yeah. years ago, instead, they took Jamal Adams. They were in a position, they needed a quarterback. By the way, yeah. Deshaun Watson would have been just fine. And oh, by the way, and I love Sam, and I'm very honestly, like, when they're yours, they're yours. So, like, I'm happy to have Sam more than, the, but don't forget, we also traded three early round picks for Sam. So if right. you took Watson or Mahomes, you would have came back the next year because you traded With Sheldon all those Richardson picks. for. Yes. Now you could have taken Quentin Nelson at six. Yeah. Right? Like the Colts did. So like, anyway, that was a huge miss. Um, you know you know what's funny? And you may, I, I've got a good one. I, I wonder if this will resonate with you. I'll use the analogy of watching film on Monday. I think the biggest mistakes I've made in business were the things that I didn't do. Were the meeting I didn't go to, the investment I didn't make. Mm-hmm. Unlike what you get to do, which probably sucks at the time, but it's kind of cool for your own knowledge, that you um, got to see the missed opportunity, right. right? Right. And learn from it. I don't in business. So that cut, that's one thing that I love about football. The film is there, and it's and, and in business you don't know. You don't know that if you took that meeting, it would have led you to meeting this gal. She would have given you the insight that led to you investing in right. Tesla. That butterfly effect, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. of course. Uh, So yeah, with with the football side of it, you see the missed opportunity, you literally, right after you watch that tape, you go outside and you're either walking through that exact play, that exact situation, to the effect that they put the situation on the scoreboard in a practice field, in a practice setting, saying, hey, there was a minute 30 left, here's what we did, here were our options, here's what could have been better. And we potentially go through three or four different options. If we burn the time out here, that means we're doing this. If we clock the ball here, we got to go for it on fourth down. So you live out these situations. You live out all these variables, which gives you such an advantage the next time. And then the most important thing the next time is saving that in your mental Rolodex. And then when that slide comes up again, boom, I know what to do. Because we burned the time out last time and we shouldn't have. This time we're going to clock it. Boys, I know what to do, let's handle it. You know, so you do have that luxury you about, in football. I want, I want to ask you about an adversity moment that was like, as a Jets fan, like I was really worried in your rookie year and I've always wanted to ask yeah. you this, so I'm taking advantage. The Buffalo game in your oh. rookie year when, you, when you, you threw five picks, I think. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember the fifth one, like everything coming out of my body because, you know, at that point when you're a fan and you've got this 
big rookie quarterback and you came out 3-0. and I texted you the other day about the scramble you had against Tennessee and ran it in. Like that yeah. moment, I was like, this guy's going 78. So was, you know, you're just so hyped. <laughs> Everything's so magnified. And that Buffalo game, you know, we started working with the Jets, VaynerMedia, doing marketing. And Matt Higgins was the president Matt of the Jets. Higgins, yes, yeah. remember Matt? And yeah. like he's, and I, I just remember that Bills game. Like I texted him, I'm like, I want to tweet things. He's like, you can't, do not tweet things. I'm like, I'm very upset. And he's like, no, no. I, I was like, I told you I'm a fan first. <laughs> that, that I would, I've always wanted to know from your person, because so early in your career, yeah. Give me like something. What, when I say that, yeah, so, what do you remember after um, the game? What do you rem- when I just say that, what do you remember? One of my most vivid memories is trying to fit a ball in to Braylon. And I mean, we're talking like being real nitpicky. It was about six inches high right here on a quick little um, snag route, we used to call it. And I fit it in between two defenders and boom, it went like right off his hands, right? If I would have put it, you know, six inches lower, literally like a ball circumference lower, we're talking the ball gets batted down to the ground, right? Because once you throw it, numbers are in higher, it's going up in the air. Numbers in lower, usually it's going down. So this ball gets tipped up in the air, and I don't remember if this was the fourth or fifth pick, but I was just like, that was so deflating. And I remember after the game being so pissed, and it was shoddy, it was Tannenbaum, it was Rex, And they're like, listen, we understand you're down in the dumps. Here's a list of other quarterbacks who've thrown five picks in a game. Like, it's going to be okay because your life's not over, right? In that moment, as a rookie, you're like, my life's over. (laughs) It was the sandlot when he just gets smacked by the ball. You're just like, I'm done. Mark, who was was the best veteran in that locker room for you during that run? Um, I remember (laughs) – I remember – after the game, I was so pissed and just down in the dumps. And I remember Chris Jenkins walked by. I was mm, like, damn, Rook. I mean, how many times are you going to give the ball to the other teams? We're wearing white today or whatever. You know, we're wearing green today. And I was like, damn, like, what a dick. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I knew that was his way of just like, figure it out. Figure it out. Because we have a good team way. and yep. we're going to win. Like, we're going to do our job as soon as you want to do yours. We're going to be pretty damn good. So that was kind of like was, a challenge. He was fun. He, he was, was fun. freaking hilarious. But then, he was you know, other guys on defense, player. Bart Scott, all those guys, then it became a running joke, like, later in the year, hey, Sanchez, don't forget we're in green today. You know what I mean? Like, a joke for the defensive coaches, whatever, just to be funny, but to, like, jab me, to remind me of where I was and where I needed to go for us to be good because they knew I was a competitor. So you just had to light that fire and and it was on. But I felt like the one thing that kept me really fighting that year, because it was like this roller coaster of emotions and it felt like a lifetime of emotions. But we almost won the game with five interceptions. I remember. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, somebody finally made that point and it kind of clicked like, dude, we're okay. We almost won with five interceptions. We rushed for almost 300 yards. Like, so just clean up, just just like a little bit better and we'll be fine. So that kind of coupled with Jenkins, with Bart, with, you know, Mike T, Shoddy and Rex pumping me up, reminding me that Peyton Manning, you know, John Elway, all these guys have thrown five picks in a game. It's not the end of your career. So 
figure it out and we'll be just fine. Just watch the tape, get better. So that was, uh, that's funny you bring that up. I remember James Gandolfini was on the sidelines before the game. I remember the exact long sleeves that I wore and I didn't want to wear them <laughs> before the game, but I did. And they had this like gray little line on them and I thought they looked shitty. <laughs> so that's probably why. <laughs> Brother, I don't know. you know just, what's crazy? You know what's funny. crazy about that season? That night game against the Bengals. Yeah. To get into the playoffs was, was the coldest crazy. night. Do you know oh how many football God. games I've been to? It was so cold. So cold. Dude, I, was I wore freezing. a t-shirt. We went to Cincinnati, we played them, we beat them, and then we went to them for the playoff game the next week. And literally it was cold, but it was like 30, and I wore a yeah. t-shirt <laughs> because it was so cold in New York yeah. that night. I know you talked about this in the future. I know you speak things into existence, but let's talk about you owning the Jets. And I'm dead serious. I want to be a consultant if that happens. It's done. Putting in but firm now. Today, today, to improve the Jets, what do you do to build for long-term success and a chance at a Super Bowl today? Like, how do we handle it? I, I think it's a, it's a, you know, I don't have a good read on it, Chris and Woody and, and what they're doing there. I'm an insane believer in Joe Douglas. You know, uh, I knew Coach Gaze a little bit in Miami days. I, you know, he's been super head down these two years because it's been rough for him. It, it's all the same thing. You know this. You live this. You, your time as quarterback, you, you had a head coach, you had a GM, you had an owner, and the ebbs and flows of your continuity of those four, five, six years, you know there were times where the five of you, the four of you, the three of you, the two of you were communicating well, and you knew there was times that you weren't. I know the same thing in all my businesses. When you run a business fully, it gives you great insight. Like There's times where things are clicking and what's not. The only way for organizations to really dominate is when the five or six key pieces are actually communicating and are actually on the same page and are yep. actually in that place. And you know, that ebbs and flows. That, you know, that ebbs and flows. And so I think if I own the Jets, I would make sure that my starting quarterback, my coach, and my GM, that I felt the, that three-headed monster had crazy, crazy relationship graph. And that's yep. what I, as an owner, would spend ungodly amounts of time. And there are many other things that matter, but I would be, I, I am uncomfortable as somebody who wants to win a Lombardi for the Jet fan base, to look the other way if those three things are not clicking. And I would be yeah. willing to be patient, but decisive to get that combo right. Yeah. Thoughts? Oh, dude, I, you nailed it, those three. Uh, because if those three are intact, then you're building around that quarterback. And essentially, it's a five plus year plan Correct. to get to where you wanna go and understanding that you're gonna take shots right from the media from outside influence but just stay in not not to your own detriment like you're in this vacuum where you can't take criticism or try and get better or or it's just completely unrealistic but don't overown the good don't overown the bad keep it real right keep it in that real level not just ideal but real and that's one of the most important things i love i love the way you said that um and then moving to business side of the NFL, the Raiders in Vegas, you like it, love it, hate it? Love. Does it feel like, go no, ahead, I think I, it's I'm a curious huge, on your thoughts. I mean, it's gonna be the greatest once the world reopens. Mm -hmm. Every single road team, like I was dead when I saw the Jets were playing the Raiders at home this year. 
now it turned out okay because of COVID, right, but right. the Jets road game to the Raiders now is like the must leave on Thursday night, have the best of four course. days. I mean, the I think it's great. The, the Raiders, It's honestly, I hate the Raiders. I hate everybody but the Jets, but I... <laughs> I was. I actually felt nice for that fan base when I saw the stadium the other night. Obviously, not yeah. full and all that, but they've been playing in a shithole baseball stadium for fucking. You know, it's it's. I, I, I think it's a good situation. Vegas is an incredible sports town. They yep. support those that hockey team incredibly well. I know they were support. They support UNLV well. They support their AAA baseball team well. That's going to be a really good situation. I like that. Then, uh, what about your? You know a lot about this um, media and branding and getting your message out there. What do you do with the Washington football team? How do you how do you rebrand them appropriately? I mean, as long as you don't do anything that can be construed as tone deaf, you can you're gonna be okay because people are gonna settle in. Like they're gonna settle in. I think what I mean by that is people are gonna hate or like a name. That's just what happens. And then over time, it just becomes the name and you hear it so often that you just kind of yeah. settle in. He, you know, I don't know Dan at all. I've never met him. He's got a tough situation. His fan base doesn't like him. Yeah. And so what you know, you know, I'm sure Dan is smart enough to realize no matter what he picks, they're not gonna like it. And here's the best part about sports. All they have to do is win. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Win like, and cover, like win, he, Winning covers up a lot of warts. When they could name that team the Washington Wimps, and that city will love them with all their heart if they go and win the Super Bowl in two years. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a good point. Great soundbite, too. Um, okay, so we're going <laughs> Corona outbreak, NFL edition. Tennessee had four players now, five personnel yeah. members, test positive for COVID. So this happened after the game against the Vikings, but no positive test in Minnesota. Facilities are closed down. Coaches have been on record now saying, like, there's no excuses. Even if we only get to do a walkthrough Saturday night in the hotel, we're playing and we're going to give it our best shot. Somewhat insensitive. People have their own thoughts on that, whatever. But now the game's being postponed to a date Tuesday, that will be determined. Hearing? Yeah, potentially yeah. Tuesday is kind of the news we're getting. Where are you at with that one? <sighs> I'm very, very, very happy that I don't have to be in a position where I have to make these calls during this yeah. pandemic. I've had to do them for my own business and that was hard enough, but to think that the world is watching and all those opinions, and that's just a lot of pressure. That being said, I think that human safety has to be first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. On the flip side, thank God, as we continue to collect data, and we don't know anything really yet about COVID, but I would say that I'm less scared than I was sure. a, a little while ago. And I think every other league is, to me, I'm very comfortable. I, I love this Tuesday thing, for example. First of all, I like Tuesday period because it lets me watch on Tuesday. Like, right, a Tuesday, like <laughs> give me seven days a week of the NFL. Of course, um, of course. Number two, I'm glad to see they've postponed it. I do think they've got a test, test, test. Um, Tuesday's good in, in kind of the way with the rapid testing and things of that nature. And I, I think the NFL is doing the right thing by moving it. And I think you're gonna see some, you know, disturbance like the MLB did and I anticipate that and I know that the schedule, I don't know what, how, but I know that the schedule was built in a way to have some flexibility and some understanding and we're gonna, we're gonna go through it here. Like, look, I, I am religious about the New York Jets, but not at the expense of someone's health and well-being. Because one of the things that scare me is 
what happens after, when, what happens when we're 67, but we got COVID, it seems like there, there's enough chatter of like, you know, effects to your body that concern me enough to not take it lightly. And so I think, I, I like what they did. I was happy to hear that today. I thought that was a good move. No doubt. And then when you start postponing games and switching up the schedule, now it's starting to affect other teams. So I'm, I'm curious to see how this unfolds. How about that? Gary V knocks it out of the park. Man, some great insights, some business knowledge, talking about the Jets. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button and we'll talk to you soon. Like, share, subscribe, uh, at Mark underscore Sanchez, at Fourth and Forever, Instagram, Twitter, all that. You know where to go. Thanks again for having us and we'll see you soon.